Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. The First Draft Podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates. Keeping tabs on the latest in the NFL Draft is now twice a week, posting every Monday and Thursday. Be sure to check out Monday's show on YouTube as well. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, I guess I might need to eat a little bit of crow. And also, your story is about getting balled up by future professionals. But first... All right, so before we get started, let me tell you what happened this morning. We record this thing here on the, you know, in the mornings on Monday when you get the Monday podcast, and we had our season finale of Game Theory, and uh, we had Dawn Staley on as a guest, and she was kind enough to send a tweet saying how much she appreciated uh, being on the show, so forth and so on, and so I replied with a very heartfelt thank you so much, and I made sure to say that. And this is true. She was the first guest that we booked for the season, right? It just happened that she was for the last episode because, you know, they was playing basketball. But she was our first guest for the season. And I said that she was the first guest. She came out Louie down. You know what I'm saying? That's how she gets down. And I said, I got to step my gear up uh, to kick it with you, though. T-H-O in the colloquial sense. Said there was a typographical error on the though. And I left off the one letter you would not want to leave off if you were talking to a woman under those circumstances. And so I look up and my homie has placed the typo in a text to me and says, H-O, question mark, question mark, question mark, because that is what I accidentally typed instead of though. Dog, I was sitting up in here sweating. My booty had all the lemon going. You know what I'm saying? I went in there and made that quick delete. And I was just like, ain't nobody made a worse typo on the internet since Yahoo was trying to say that it was a bigger Navy. I, 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 oh my God. Like, I, I appreciate all of you who appreciated, gave me the benefit of the doubt and knew I wouldn't be that reckless in public. But, oh man, Dawn Staley don't know me like that. You know what I'm saying? She, 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 she's never, woo. So, yeah, if I sound a little discombobulated as we record this, just please understand I had a little bit of an emergency there. Whew. Yeah. Anyway, NBA playoffs, they are fantastic. So, you know, I've been working weekends, so I hadn't really been able to, like, fully immerse myself in the playoffs leading up to them. Now I got a little more time, so forth and so on, you did. But I turned on the uh, Nets and the Celtics. Caught the second half of that one after I got home off the job. That was a very good game, an incredible ending with uh, Jason Tatum with the layup at the end, you know, with half second left out of his hand, you know, went through after the buzzer, all of that stuff. Great game, great finish. But somehow, somehow, I had totally missed the idea. Kyrie Irving in a playoff series against the Celtics? He got, he, he's shipping up to Boston? 
I had not given this any measure of consideration as like a running storyline. Gabe, I ain't see it. Did he walk around there on Sunday? Did you happen to see if he was waving the sage? Whatever the evil spirits was in the building, he was out here trying to ward off. It ain't stop him from getting dealt with by them people like they was dealing with him, which then ultimately resulted in him flipping the bird to the crowd. All right. Now, this is my thing about Kyrie flipping the bird to the crowd. I would not say that I was critical of Naomi Osaka for the way that she responded to the fact that somebody told her that, like, she sucked. However, I did feel and do feel still that when we use, like, mental health as a catch-all term, I didn't view her being heckled as foul as I thought it was, given the context of the circumstance and everything. I didn't view her being heckled the same way that I viewed what she talked about with dealing with media. Like I could totally understand the anxiety of all those people like rushing up on her. Like I think I tell people about doing the TV show is we do a rehearsal in the morning. And then after the rehearsal, people come out to like see how it went and rewrite the script, all that. So I'm sitting at this desk. And the next thing I know, it's six, seven, eight people like surrounding me in a semicircle while I sit down and they stand. Right. Like it's a it's an intimidating, daunting sort of thing. So I'm trying to imagine what that's like being her. And it's however many people in the room and it's not your people. It's people coming to ask you questions that you might not want to answer. You know, like, yeah, mental health totally get where that comes down. Somebody heckling you. I don't know. I maybe I'm just I'm not far along in my journey yet to where I view that as a oh, my God, I feel so bad for you. Unless it's just like, you know, Patrick Ewan was playing. They was throwing bananas at him, you know, like, oh, okay, yeah, I get you. I see where we're coming from here. So for me, I don't know what they were saying to Kyrie, and I'm sure it was wild, ridiculous. But at this point in your life, being Kyrie Irving, flipping the bird at him, is just kind of like, nah, man, just ball. You know? Like, I wish Kyrie, I was going to say for his sake, but that would be a lie. It's for my sake. If you're going to take on this villainous persona, and you may not think this persona is villainous, but it is, man, lean into it, baby. You might as well. Like, taunt them. Antagonize them. Throw it back at them. But flipping them the bird while you run back up to court? Nah, man. Like, you might as well because this ain't going to stop. Like, this is what your existence is going to be, particularly in that building, for a long time. Like, you might as well troll them like you troll us, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. You know what I'm saying? Troll them like you troll us when you was out here talking about the world is flat and everything else. Troll them like you troll us. That being said, Gabe, that dude is so good at basketball. Like, I just see so, like, when, when you watch him, it is just borderline impossible just not to be completely taken aback, by the way. He is just so good at basketball. But him being so good at basketball then wound up with a Kyrie moment that reminded me at the end of that game of another Kyrie moment at the end of a playoff game. And I'm thinking about game three in 2017 I believe that game was in Cleveland and I I didn't look this up I'm going off memory but if I got the exact game wrong feel free to correct me you know as y'all will don't blame you but it's game three 2017 I want to say the Cavs have got the ball toward the end they have a chance to tie go ahead one of those right Kyrie's got the ball and he dribbled out I want to say 20 seconds of the shot clock. 
but it was some super long Kyrie's got the ball, dribble, 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 dribble. And I don't blame him for all the dribbling because he's so good at basketball, right? Like if I were Kyrie Irving, I would be thinking that I could dribble myself in and out of anything that I wanted to. I didn't blame him necessarily, but he still dribbled away 20 seconds of what was probably the most important possession of the season. And they didn't wind up getting a bucket, which was a lot like what happened at the end of this game against the Celtics where he dribbled, 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 dribbled into a double team with five seconds left, throws it out to Kevin Durant, and Durant gets a shot that Durant can make, but this wasn't a great shot, you know? And that's part of the Kyrie thing for me is as good as he is at basketball, I wouldn't mind you taking the last shot. But you're not the dude that we're supposed to be trying to get the last shot for, unless it's, we run a, a ball screen switch, and now you got Steph Curry in front of you and injured Steph Curry in front of you. All right, you go ahead and do that. We got that. Because a team like Boston, man, we need to be figuring out how to get the ball to Kevin Durant. Period. Like, everything you need to be doing there is like, how do we get a shot for maybe the best shot maker I've ever seen? Like, how, how do we go about doing that? And that's not what you get with Kyrie in that situation. You get dribble, 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 dribble. I know why he thinks he should be that guy, but see, that's that Kobe system stuff, right? Like the idea that I got more confidence in myself than I got in everybody else. And that's cool when you don't play with Kevin Durant, you know? And not that I think Durant has a problem, not that Kyrie blew the game, right? Like not like he's responsible for their defeat or anything else, but this is the Kyrie experience. Like this is what we're getting to look at. And this series with the Nets is so interesting because I don't think any of us have any idea how good they are. And I don't know how any of us could have any idea how good they are because none of us have seen them play. Like this collection of dudes as they have in the playoffs right now, and who knows what it will be if and when Ben Simmons comes back. We've seen this team play so little that they might be as good as the Celtics. The Celtics right now, you can make an argument of the best team in the East, right? But I got no idea what you're ultimately going to get out of these dudes. Because we just haven't seen enough of them. And so, yeah, we're going to see them out here against the Celtics. And then next round, we're going to see them out there against the Bucks, probably. And then whoever winds up in the Eastern Finals. And I will say this for the Nets. Let's say the Nets hypothetically win the NBA championship. If they do, it will probably be the most impressive run that anybody has made. Like the 95 Rockets made a run as the sixth seed. And so they beat the three seed Jazz, who won something close to like 60 games. Uh, they came back from down 3-1 to the Suns and won game seven on the road. And then they beat the Spurs, who I believe that year had the best record in the league, and they beat them in six games. And then they went and beat Shaq in the Magic in the finals and swept them. But the difficulty of the run was a result of where they were seeded at first. So if the Nets were to do this this year, they'd have to beat the Celtics, who got the best point differential in the league, I believe, but definitely the best point differential in the East. Then they would have to beat probably the Bucks, the defending champions. Good chance they would then be matched up against Miami, who had the best record in the East. And then I'm looking at what's going on in the West. Then they would have to beat Phoenix. And I think Phoenix might just walk through the West. They look that good and like that much better than last year. If the Nets pull that off, that's maybe the most impressive run anybody's made with a bunch of dudes that haven't played together all year. You know what I mean? Like, that would be what's up. And at that point, we wouldn't be able to say nothing to Kyrie, right? We ain't trying to say nothing to Kevin Durant, but we just have to be like, okay, Kyrie, maybe you don't need to play regular season games. I mean, it would stink if I ran the Nets because now we never going to be able to get that dude to play when he don't want to. Hey, man, we won a championship without him. You know, who cares? 
But that's going to be the question in the East. Everything in the East is just going to come down to what are the Nets actually? What do they actually look like? How good are they truly? Because none of us really have any idea. That's what we're going to get. But I tell you this, it's going to be fun. Like these playoffs are going to be fun. And if you think it's going to be fun in the East, oh, baby, let's get around and talking about the West. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Gabe, so I want to get this off the top. Like, we're going to come first with this. As you guys know, I don't have very many good things to say about Carl Anthony Towns as a basketball player. And I need to be fair to him because I realize that part of why I don't have these good things to say about Carl Anthony Towns as a basketball player is the good things that you say about Carl Anthony Towns, if you do say good things about him, are honestly things I don't value. Right. Like if you hit me up about his true shooting percentage, true shooting percentage as a statistic is interesting, but ultimately useless. Right. It's the same way that I feel about PER, which actually I think is a totally useless statistic. Like it's a contrivance, it's an index that I don't really understand exactly how you determine if the index is conducive, like is positively correlated to winning, you know what I mean? Like, or what the correlation is. Like, I just think PER, it serves no purpose to me. You'll never see me use it as a reference on anybody, even if it like ultimately supports a point I'm trying to make. And I'm the same way about true shooting percentage. And if you don't know what true shooting percentage is, it's a stat that places different weights on two-point shooting, three-point shooting, um, free throw shooting. I think that's it. There may be one more component, but those are the components that are there. And they shake them up and they give you some number that's used to determine just how good of a shooter somebody is. And I don't care how good a shooter Carl Towns is. Like, I don't understand why you people can't understand that about me and the way that I evaluate him. How well he shoots is but so big of a deal. And I understand that the NBA wanted to prioritize shooting and they changed the rules to prioritize shooting and passing over individual play. And I also fully acknowledge that I personally, aesthetically and philosophically prefer basketball where the name of the game is attacking the basket. I don't want to watch a bunch of dudes shoot jumpers. I want to watch dudes go to the rack. I hold it against dudes that I don't think go to the rack. Like, I mean, that that's where I am and where I've always been. It's not going to change anytime soon. That's what I'm in this for. So when people tell me about, oh, Carl Towns, he's such a great shooter for a big man. I don't care. I didn't care if Porzingis was a great shooter for a big man. There's a bunch of those. Like, that's just not, if you're a great shooter, you're a great shooter. That's that. And if you think Carl Towns is a great shooter, hard stop, then we can go. Like Dirk Nowitzki, great shooter, hard stop. Larry Bird, great shooter, hard stop. Kevin Durant, great shooter, hard stop. The fact that you do it and you're tall is almost kind of cute. Like, oh, wow, you know, it's a trick. It's a very interesting trick. So I banged on Carl Towns on Twitter after you played like boo-boo in that playoff game. I banged on Carl Towns about a bunch of stuff. Dude, Carl Towns banged on Jaron Jackson so hard on Saturday that Jaron Jackson was so mad that he pushed somebody else. He pushed another person. 
He was so mad and got a tech for it. Now, I could make the argument if I was the petty sort that clearly Jerry Jackson agrees with me about Carl Towns being a little bit buttery soft because he couldn't believe that happened and it embarrassed him so badly that somebody had to get pushed, right? Maybe Carl Towns, he did it for me. He did it for Jerry Jackson. He did it for the Shaolin Temple. Like he did it for everybody. You know, he just had something to prove and go out there. But I ain't about to sit up here and act like it didn't happen. He came up. He played well. And that Minnesota Memphis series, like, we'll see how, you know, Ja coming back. Ja scored a bunch of points, but Ja coming back after being hurt and all of this stuff. We're going to see what happens with Memphis because they're the two seed, but they're still young. And that's where that series is going to be so much fun to watch, right? We got we got the Ant-Man over here. Did you see the post-game quote where, where Roz was asking Ant-Man some questions about the winner that game? And he ended it with, we the ones, Jack. And I was like, yes, the youngsters are saying Jack, too. Like, if, if there was any proof that Anthony Edwards done been here before, it was the seamless way that he said Jack. Like, I feel like I'm a little young to be out here breaking out Jack like that. Shout out to the homie Mike Hitman. It's going down, Jack. Right? I ain't know the youngsters was up on Jack. Nah, Ant-Man. Ant-Man been here before, baby. Ant-Man been here. But let me tell you who going to be the biggest beneficiary, perhaps, of these youngsters in this series. The Warriors. Like, as skeptical as I've been of the Warriors, and I still am, right? But somebody got to win all this stuff. I got skepticism about just about everybody. This is the new NBA where they wanted more parity, which then, as a result, puts me in a place where I'm looking at teams that would have flaws that in the past, I would say, would stop them from winning a championship. But everybody's like that, so what's it matter? You know what I mean? Like, like once you get to that place, it's like, oh, okay, cool. I guess somebody's going to get this. There we go. Like, that's where we are. But the thing about the Warriors is, in the second round, they are guaranteed to be playing against a bunch of dudes who ain't never been there before. Right? Like, you get, like, a Patrick Beverly or a Steven Adams that's on the team who's done it before, but the people that really matter have never done this before, facing off against, without question, the team whose core has the most big game experience in the NBA. Like, that's what it's going to wind up being. Golden State against some kids. Oh boy, I am not at the place in my journey where I could be betting against some kids over them, especially like the kids that we're talking about here. I love that Grizzlies team. I like that Minnesota team. Like, I want good things for them. But I don't feel like either of them is so like incredibly precocious that I'm going to see them face up against Steph and Draymond and be like, all right, yeah, I got the kids because talent is talent. No, 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 no. I haven't, haven't reached that point yet. And I say that to say it's shaping up for Phoenix to walk through the West. Like, Gabe, I don't know how much you've watched them this year. You're in a time zone that's more conducive to getting a look at them. We forget. Didn't they miss the playoffs two years ago? Like the bubble year? Like, I think they went down there, you know, they made a little noise while they were in there, but this team was an afterthought and had been an afterthought for 10 years. And then they went and got Chris Paul. Gabe, I don't even remember who they traded to get him. Like, it feels like they got Chris Paul for nothing. Like, Chris Paul just walked up and was like, can I roam with y'all? They're like, yeah, come on. All right. And then everything flipped. Like, I don't know how long Chris Paul's going to stay healthy in the playoffs. I feel bad for him when we talk about it because some of those injuries, like one of them was like a broken hand. Like, anybody to be out here calling somebody necessarily injury prone because they got a broken hand. That was part of it with Zion. Like, Zion had a broken finger and some messed up thumb at some point. I'm like, okay, like this foot thing is a little worrisome. But the rest of it, I'm like, come on, man, we reaching. You know, like, like we just want to find a reason to bag on this boy. And y'all know y'all why y'all want to bag on that boy. Y'all want to bag on that boy because he fat. Like, once you show up and you are overweight, man, all the jokes come. 
They out here like, man, why Zion out here fat? The dude got a broken foot. What y'all want him to do? Right? Like, like, how much weight you supposed to lose when you out here with a broken foot? Also, speaking of Zion, Gabe, I don't know if you watched the Pelicans-Suns game last night. Did you see that chain he had on? That's why he can't get his foot back, right? All that weight around his neck. That thing, he had like a manhole cover piece, and it was a platinum chain with diamonds all over it. It was diamonds all over the piece, but it looked kind of like he had rims on a hoopty. Because what I'm saying is, like, I ain't no super fashionable dude. I ain't no great dresser. Like, you see me on television and you think I look fly, you could probably rest assured that somebody else picked out my clothes. I just don't care enough, right? But in line with that, I also wouldn't care enough to wear that big old chain. Zion got on that big old chain, and I don't even know what he was wearing, man. I don't really be clowning people on their gear as long as it match, right? Like, I just, I'm just not the person that has room to judge. I'm like, nah, partner, you need to save your money and get your clothes up first. Then come out here putting rims on the ride. You know what I'm saying? Fix that dent over there in the fender. You, you feel me? That's what you need to do. Why don't you run this thing through the car wash? Zion, the only dude in the NBA that just get a haircut from whoever he can. And hey, man, no judging. I've been there, dog. I don't even necessarily care that much. But again, I don't care that much about wearing that big old chain. I'm trying to help you out, young fella. You ain't in South Carolina no more. And by the way, don't wear that chain just out in New Orleans. Just to let you know. Like, that was the kind of chain you can't wear unless somebody in your team got a piece. And I don't mean the piece that's swinging from your necklace. Anyway. My man Jokic, I hated they got paired up against the Warriors. I was talking to my buddy Nick uh, yesterday for something on Game Theory. You can check that out at Game Theory HBO on the Twitter account. We give y'all a little snippet of me and Nick talking together. And, you know, he had him and his Jokic thing. I just don't just don't understand it. It's just so confusing. It's so wild. But they're going to lose in the first round. They're not going to beat the Warriors. It is, there's just not enough going on outside of Jokic for them to get that done. So that means I'm going to hear from Nick for a whole year about how Jokic ain't that good. You know what I'm going to do next time Nick says Jokic ain't that good if I talk to him during the playoffs? Damn, man, you right. You know what? Let's just watch the Lakers. <laughs> but we can't. But we can't. If you haven't heard, it's brought to you by the new Love Your Car Guarantee from CarMax. CarMax, here to innovate. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, Bo, this first story comes from business. Hey, Bomani, it's Aaron Gordon from Motherboard here telling you about a story I wrote this week called Working at an Amazon Warehouse Got Even More Dangerous in 2021. This was based on a report that was put out by a group called the Strategic Organizing Center, which is a group run by four of America's biggest unions. And they used government data to look at injury rates at Amazon warehouses compared to other types of warehouses. And what they found, similar to their report that came out in 2020, was that working in an Amazon warehouse is an incredibly dangerous job, easily the most dangerous warehouse job anyone can have. In 2021, more than 34,000 Amazon warehouse workers sustained injuries on the job. That's up from 24,000 injuries a year prior in 2020. 
a 20% increase for those keeping track at home. Nearly one half of all warehouse injuries in the United States occurred at an Amazon warehouse, even though only about a third of warehouse workers in the U.S. work at Amazon warehouses. So they account for a disproportionate share of warehouse injuries. Obviously, this is not good news for Amazon's warehouse workers, but not to worry in a statement we received from an Amazon spokesperson, we were told that the company knows they still have more work to do and, quote, won't be satisfied until we are excellent when it comes to safety, end quote. So there you have it. Amazon, even more dangerous to work at in 2021 than in 2020. Bruh. Bruh. We do all these Amazon stories. I'd be like, damn, Amazon's so messed up. Let me log in that Amazon app right fast and see if my delivery uh is going to get here today. And you know what? I don't have to check because if they say it's going to get here, it's going to get here. And I've said this before on this show, but I'm going to say it again in case you haven't heard it. The thing that should make us the most skeptical of Amazon is the fact that I can't really speak for you. But think about all the times that you have ordered from Amazon Now try to think about how many times they've actually messed up your order. I can't speak for you, but for me, that number is very, very low. And uh, you can't really get that kind of perfection out of people. Humanely. People just naturally make mistakes. It's just who we are. It's just what we do. You know what I'm saying? So like the idea, like it's so unsafe and everything else. I have no idea what it would take to make people stop messing with Amazon. Because the thing is, the only way that you're going to compete with them on the retail side is if you provide services on the same level as them. And the way that you're going to provide services on the same level as them is the same way that they provide the services. And the way they provide the services is this stuff. Like, that's why I root for the union and everything else there. I ain't going to lie, man. I don't want to give Jeff Bezos my money, but I do want to get my stuff in two days all the time. So come on, man, treat them right. Not that I'm going to stop messing with y'all, but I would like to feel better about it. You know, sometimes you got to be real with people about this. Ain't no such thing as ethical consumption in this capitalism. Like no matter what, you're going to be buying this stuff from a capitalist. Like just about, right? Like if you buy it from something with Inc. or LLC or whatever it is, you're probably giving your money to somebody who ain't living right. But damn, they living foul. All right, Bo. So this next story also comes from business. The reporter wasn't able to join us for it, but it was an exclusive story and I thought we should for sure have it. So Amazon apparently is targeting high schoolers in a warehouse recruiting blitz in a tight labor market. The hiring drive is set to kick off next month. They're going to attend schools across the U.S. and Canada. A bunch of recruiters going to career days to talk up tuition benefits and other perks of working in a warehouse at Amazon. I don't know about you, Gabe. I don't know how things went in the Napa Valley, but when I was in high school, there'd be one day every year where they go set up that table and they try to get you to join the United States military. Did they did they do that at your school? Yeah, I was going to say the only like non-college, the Marines, the Coast Guard, yes. the Army, that sort of thing. Did you, uh, did you take the ASVAB? Do you remember the ASVAB? The ASVAB is the standardized test they use to decide what the army can do for you or what you could do for the army. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I remember they had us take that test and I asked them what this test was for. 
and they told me that that's what it was, dog, let me tell you something that uh, teenage Bobani Jones was not interested in. Being all he could be. No, I was perfectly down to leave some of my potential on the table. That just wasn't the way that I wanted to get down. And once I found out that's what that test was for, that is the only time in my life that I ever approached one of those tests. And the answer was abacadabra. I don't know how much y'all played the abacadabra game. Or you mess around and you make the horse head with the bubbles. I don't know. But the last thing I needed was them army dudes trying to call me. Like, I remember I went, they had some college dudes come up one day. And I was talking to this cat. And he was a professor at Tarleton State. This uh, say school in Texas, Tarleton State. And he was an economist and he taught agriculture economics down there. And they was trying to get some people down there to Tarleton State to study agriculture economics. And I think I messed up and told him that my mama was an economics professor and maybe said something to him about my grades. And I couldn't get that dude off my back trying to get me to go to some damn Tarleton State to do some uh, agriculture economics. Like, I'm just telling you now, tell your teenagers, you ain't got to impress everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you roll up on somebody and they talk about something that you found to be nonsensical, drop your GPA by a point, right? Change the way you talk, everything else. Otherwise, that person ain't never going to stop calling you trying to get you to do that nonsense. Anyway, I come back all around to say that Amazon showing up at your high school to get workers for the warehouse sounds a whole lot like they want you to be all you could be. That's all I'm saying. Like, as, as we talk about all this and we just said what we said about Amazon um, and, you know, the level of perfection and how they treating people and getting everything absolutely right. And I was just like, there's no way to do that humanely. Now they out here recruiting people exactly like you got to enlist to go to Amazon. Think about this. You have to enlist to go to Amazon. But that's all right, though. You can enlist. But once you get there, just like the army is now, there's going to be somebody around Amazon who out here looking like he 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 repping, looking like he claiming that dude that look like he out here with YG and 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 the dipset and all them dudes. He out here getting them together. They going to push back on Uncle Jeff. In fact, that's what we're going to start calling him. If he out here acting like his Uncle Sam to go work for Amazon, we're going to have to start calling him Uncle Jeff. But, I mean, I can just tell you right now, buddy over there with that union, he is benecting everybody. Everybody benecting over there in his situation. And he is going to get this situation to the point where those employees are going to get better bash money so that they no longer have to operate and work under the benditions that they got at that Amazon warehouse. Do you think at some point they're going to push back? Yeah, I'm joking about that dude, you know, out there in all red looking like a blood, but the bloods and everybody else is up in the military now. Like they not at the place where they can tell people no. Like, have you seen uh cocaine cowboys? Yep. You know, Billy Corbin doc, he does better docs now, but that is still a very interesting documentary, but they talk in cocaine cowboys about how as Miami grew and they needed more of a police force that, they were, you know, trying to get people in on this. And so they started. And at first they started and they said, if you've ever used drugs, you can't be a cop. And then, of course, they couldn't get anybody. And then it's like, OK, well, if you use drugs in the last five years, you can't be a cop. And you still can't get anybody. And it's like, OK, if you use drugs in the last two years, you can't get anybody. OK, well, if you use drugs in the last year and then they still couldn't get anybody. And then it like trickles on down to basically, are you high right now? And if you are not high right now, then you can come in and you can get this job. Because in the end, you can have your standards, but you also got to have however many people you need to do the job, you know? And so for the military, hey, man, people weren't trying to do that no more. 
it's some platoons within the platoon in the military these days. So are they going to try to push back at Amazon? They better, because I ain't going to lie. All the bad things I got to say about Amazon, that's fine. But I would much rather be all I could be up in the warehouse than be all I can be over there in that desert. All right, this last one also comes from business. Here it is. Hi, my name is Haley Smith, and I'm a reporter with the Los Angeles Times. A new bill working its way through the state legislature could make California the first state in the nation to reduce its work week to four days for a large swath of workers. The bill, AB 2932, would change the definition of a work week from 40 hours to 32 hours for companies with more than 500 employees. A full workday would remain at eight hours, and employers would be required to provide overtime pay for employees working longer than four full days. This story has drawn a lot of attention, and it's worth noting that there's another bill currently pushing for similar changes at the federal level. I spoke to the assembly members who authored the bill to get a better sense of what they're hoping to achieve. They said the bill is largely a response to the mass exodus of employees during the COVID-19 pandemic, many of whom were seeking a better quality of life. And they felt like now is the perfect moment to reevaluate or reimagine what work could look like. They pointed to case studies in other countries and companies, including a multi-year study in Iceland where they tested a four-day work week and found that productivity remained the same and worker well-being increased dramatically. They also countered claims that this would crater big companies by noting that it would probably attract more people to their workplaces. But opponents disagree, and the California Chamber of Commerce even added the bill to its job killer list, saying that it would significantly increase labor costs and impose impossible requirements on those companies. The bill is still in its early stages, and it's with the state's Labor and Employment Committee for review. But based on the reaction to this story, I can say it's definitely something a lot of people are hungry for. Some say it's never going to happen, but others said if any state's going to give it a try, it's probably California. There are certain jobs where the job is finished when the job is finished. You know what I mean? Whatever the time happens to be, the job is finished when the job is finished. Now, like I hear that and they start talking about overtime and all of that. And what I think the result is that like the optimal result that you would get from that is you hire more people, they work fewer hours, you get more efficient work out of those individuals and thereby you get more productivity and efficiency in some total because each individual person is giving you more concentrated efficiency. And I think that that there makes perfect sense. The question I have in that, though, is are the wages going to rise in such a way where you working 32 hours is going to get you the money that you was making working 40? Like I hear those people talking about this is going to drive up labor costs. And I think it's going to then drive up labor costs because you got to hire more people to work 32 and you got to provide benefits for more of those people that are working 32. But for the workers themselves, how many people would rather grind 40 and get that bread than do the 32 and have more of a life? You know, and so it's almost like ironic to me in a sense that the people who would probably benefit the most from a 32 hour work week are people who will never only work 32 hours because the job is done when the job is done. That just tells you that one day out of your work week, your boss just have you out here doing some bullshit. Like one day out of every week is a bunch of stuff that you shouldn't have to do. Right. Just waste of time stuff or you don't have enough stuff to do to fill all the time. And that's what confuses me about a lot of these jobs and these bosses and everything else is 
if you're going to make these people be there, at least give them good stuff to do. Like how many people just spend their time at work done with whatever and then just sitting there because nobody's really paying attention? Like, I feel like employers just have a terrible grasp on what each individual employee is capable of and thereby maximizing that. Instead, you got a lot of people who could do a 40 hour job in 20 hours. And so then they just sit there with their thumb up their booties for the last 20. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace. So, oldie but goodie, that time you came up against a future pro and lost. Our first one, the guy didn't leave his name, but he's from Durham. Here it is. Hi, Bo. So, we playing Raleigh and Lowe. And I know you're going to like this one because you had mentioned <laughs> this guy on your podcast before. <laughs> I know it's so going. Playing PJ Tucker. Now, we had played them once already, you know, in Durham, and I had a pretty good game. He was still killing, but, you know, it was a quiet 27. We get to Raleigh, and this dude plays like a man possessed. I swear, I don't think he took a jump shot. He ended up with 35 points and, like, almost 20 rebounds. But there's one play in particular that stands out from all the rest of them. So when he he gets the rebound... And he's dribbling the ball the length of the court. And nobody gets in his way to stop the ball. Now, mind you, PJ is the same size as he is today <laughs> in the NBA because those tattoos on his arms are the same tattoos he had in high school. <laughs> what makes this play stand out is the news people was there. And my pops get home, gets home, and he records the part on the news of the sports part of the news where you can see PJ just driving the length of the court and just dunking on all of us. My dad shows that film to anybody that comes to the house. He's been showing that for the last 15, 20 years. Anybody <laughs> that, you know, comes to the house. So that's when I knew, like, man, this is well. Yeah, and I ain't getting in front of PJ on no full court break. Are you crazy? Take a charge? You high? Nah. Great call. You 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 made the you made you made the wise decision. But my pops ain't about to just be out here showing people how PJ was embarrassing me and my friends. All right, this next one comes from Kirby in Seattle. Here it is. I got destroyed by Corey Dillon, the single game NFL rushing record holder in high school. We were undefeated until we played Franklin in the Seattle Metro League and we lost forty eight seven. And I think Corey Dillon scored every one of those points. I had the distinct pleasure of having him tackle me when I was playing wide receiver and run over me when I was playing cornerback and run past me. Pretty obvious he was going to be special and pretty obvious that I was not. Wow, you got the full triple play. He ran by you, he ran through you, and he hit you in the chest. Damn, See, that's the thing we forget about it is some of these boss-ass high school players also played on the other side of the ball. All that was missing was like Corey Dillon also being the kicker? Yes. I mean, if he scored all the points, quietly he might have been. He might have racked up a couple points on a safety, too. All right, our last one is from LD. He's also from Durham. I got a whole bunch of these stories, but this one is my favorite. So it's 16 under AAU Nationals, Detroit, Michigan. I didn't actually play in this game, but we had the game the next court over. So we just stopped at this one court to watch this uh, team from Baltimore play. And, you know, AAU, everybody has, you know, matching uniforms and nice uniforms. This team... 
You know, they had white jerseys, black shorts. So I remember this six, seven, goofy-looking guy just on the court, and he was, like, like doing nothing. So one play, he finally got the ball, shoots a jump hook. Then come back down court, like they get a stop, he comes back down court, hits a mid-range jump. This is my favorite part. The next play, the opposite team guard, I guess, took it to the basket. And this dude gets it off the glass, takes three dribbles, puts it behind his back between his legs, and took like three steps into like the three-point line and take off and dunk on somebody and foul. The whole gym went quiet. So me and my buddies was like, okay, we used to have this thing where we look at a guy and like, is he D1 or he needs to pay attention in school? So I looked at my homeboy and I was like, you know, sarcastic. Like, is he D1? That dude looked at me like, no, nah, he lead. Man, that dude ended up being Rudy Gay. Yo, one thing I love about the AAU stories is the dudes who just played AAU, but they don't be out here reading the recruiting stuff like we do. You know, like I'd be at the crib and if you had a, like a, an AAU tournament around North Carolina, there's some player I'd been hearing of for whatever reason, I might show up, you know, and go check that thing out. It's always so wild to me with the dudes that are actually playing. Like we forget like a hundred of these dudes are going to turn into somebody. Maybe the rest of them is just dudes playing basketball, staying in shape, having a good time, hanging out with their homies. And they just accidentally like stumble upon Rudy Gay. They don't even know who he is in the first place. They just get there. Because they used to happen more back in the day. Like, this is for my H-Town people, because I know this name won't mean nothing to some of y'all. But my sophomore year of high school, basketball team in my school, like, we had a real good team. Like, there was a legitimate reason to think that this was a team that could, like, compete for state. And first game was against Conroe. And we were a 4A school, and Conroe was a 5A school. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we, you know, felt confident about the team that they had that you go on the road to play a 5A school. And so we had heard that Conroe had this seven-footer. And I don't know if he was seven-footer, but he, he was seven feet. But he did eventually play for Maryland. His name was Mike Martisich. Like those of you who followed a, a ACC ball will remember Martisich. He was a nondescript player. But they had this other dude who was a sophomore who wore number double zero. And we had never heard of him before. His name was Bernard Smith. And my God, Bernard Smith might have been the best high school basketball player I ever saw in my life. Like he went to Texas, something happened. He went to U of H after that. And I think he's like coaching or something. But we had literally never heard of him. And it feels now almost like you never stumble upon a player you've never heard of anymore. Because there's just so much information and it just bounces around. But there's nothing quite like when you don't know who that dude is and you get there and you're like, oh my God, what is this? Like that's a special feeling to watch. Can't imagine what it is to experience in real time. But yo, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Gabe Bassane handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Aaron Gordon of Vice. Check out his story on Amazon Warehouses getting even more dangerous at Vice.com. And thanks to Haley Smith of the LA Times. Check out her story on California, shortening the work week to 32 hours at LATimes.com. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out the right time with Bomani Jones podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The right time with Bomani Jones.